0: At the end of last season, Manchester United seemed to be in a pretty good place. They won a cup, they reached the final of another, they made a vital return to the Champions League. In the transfer market, they brought in a goalkeeper that they so desperately needed. They bagged one of Europe's most promising young strikers and they signed an England international midfielder. But off the field, there has been controversy and PR disasters and endless speculation about whether the reviled Glazer family will finally sell up. And on the field, things certainly aren't clicking yet this term. Can the Red Devils get it right, or are they still too far behind their crosstown rival city to mount a challenge for the Premier League title? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Things are already clicking with my top-tipping team, starting with the wonderful Mark O'Hare. Mark, United were pretty dreadful against Wolves, but they won. Improved at Spurs, but they lost. They recovered from a poor start last season, to be fair. But where are they right now as they prepare to take on Nottingham Forest? Because certainly in midfield, things don't seem quite right.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, where are they? Difficult to, to decipher, to be honest, Um you know, pre-season I was wondering whether we were we might have been sleeping a little bit on United um you know a second season under Ten Hag um kind of regardless of the underlying metrics what he achieved last year on and off the field was incredibly impressive um I thought with the summer you know continuing that kind of overhaul that transition you know I forecasted possibly a further improvement this time around but um like last year as you say it's been a concerning start uh very lucky against Wolves very good in the first half against Spurs and very much outplayed and outthought by Tottenham in the second half and you know last season I guess there was a bit of wriggle room because it being Ten Hag's first season uh, there was always going to be a few growing pains but few excuses this time around really and I think the most alarming aspect is the the team doesn't be, seem to be functioning right now at all um, only Bournemouth have allowed more shots for Man United after the first two weeks they've allowed over two non-penalty expected goals in both games and both matches have come against clubs under new management really so you know there's not a huge amount you can kind of uh, allow for United um in that sense uh, I feel a bit sorry for Casemiro I-, I know he's only 31 but he's got a lot of miles on the clock and I-, I hope we don't start to see the decline that we saw in Fabinho but um he's not been helped by the structure of that team uh nor has made a lot of ground fans.
0: to cover doesn't he? to be fair
1: yeah well I think you've got two players effectively having to kind of Casimiro is effectively in his in his rightful position but I think Mason Mount is, is better when he's playing more advanced and you're, you're trying to crowbar him in there alongside Casimiro and Bruno and Bruno wants to play in that attacking role which he's very good at you also got two wingers and Rashford as well to try and include and it's it's just looking very unbalanced at the minute they're looking very vulnerable to counters the pressing in the field has put them under pressure if I was Christian Eriksen I'd feel incredibly aggrieved not to be able to yeah. kind of claim his place from last season at least and he'll get his chance now with Mount injured uh, so perhaps we will see a better balanced United a more composed performance but they still have that concern over the striking position uh Rashford doesn't look comfortable leading the line but uh, I guess Forest and their horrendous road record should give them an opportunity at Old Trafford this weekend, Forrest have only earned one point in 11 trips to top half teams since promotion, just scoring five goals in that sample. We know all about United's home defensive record under Ten Hag in the Premier League as well. So, um, yeah, it's a game uh, I'm intrigued to kind of see how it unfolds, just because I think Forrest have been probably better uh, than we anticipated away at Arsenal. I know it was week one, but even still. Um, and against Sheffield United, they were the better team, but they did look a bit jittery at times, too. Um, they put so much pressure to to win their home games because of their away record and you know they've been treating away matches almost like a free hit really and I think they need to try and find their own sort of balance between those um kind of ups and downs between city ground performances and, and away from home so you know I, I need to see Ryan Yates in that midfield as well to add a bit more bite if he's available that would be a, a big plus but um they've had their own issues Forest with injuries and uh a lot of players have missed a lot of pre-season too so um I don't think we're going to see the best of them uh, and in fairness to Steve Cooper as well that the goals that they have conceded so far two have been brilliant strikes from outside the penalty box and one has been a brilliant assist as well so you know I think there is probably promise in, in Forest uh, I think uh, United will look at this match as a uh, as a must win but um I haven't got a main selection but just having a sort of nose around the Betf- betfair markets the the price that stood out to me was actually Raphael Varane just to have a shot in this match He's had two or more shots in both of his opening matches. He's got one on target in both games already. He's ten to eleven just to have a shot in this game, which I think is quite nice. Obviously, if United do dominate territory, they should force plenty of corners and set pieces, give him an opportunity. But he's three to one to have a shot on target as well, which is a a big price considering it's landed in the first two weeks. And he does seem to be a target from those dead ball situations. So um, that would be my angle uh, for and to have a shot at ten to eleven.
0: Trader, tipster and runner-up in last year's Kaplunk World Series, Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again. Emmett, Forrest do look a lot more settled nowadays, it wouldn't be hard after they signed nine million players last summer, but if they are going to step forward, you get the sense that that away form does have to improve a bit. We, We saw a few decent performances on the road towards the end of last season, but they've got to find something more sustained because you do tend to find don't you if teams are just solely relying on the home form that leaves them in a bit of jeopardy
2: definitely i i I kind of i do agree that they have to. they've shown I think signs that they've kind of cr- not quite cracked the hoodoo in terms of playing away from home but they are more of a threat uh, they are more of a goal through away from home than they, than they have been and that's I think primarily down to the emergence of um, Taiwo Taiwo Awani finding his best form Forrest have actually scored seven goals in their last five away matches going back to last season in the league and that includes trips to, trips to Anfield Stanford Stam- Stam- Bridge and the Emirates and this just my remember they watched the game at Arsenal, the opening game of the season. Bren, Brennan Johnson missed a bit of a sitter as well, like so. They yeah. kind of, I think, I, I think as well, just from even just. Take, taking that out, looking at the, looking at the players, on, on the, i the. I think Johnson and Gibbs White are two of the most promising British young attacking attacking players. You're seeing what the kind of transfer fees are being moved for Brennan Johnson. I'd say for, Forrest probably won't sell, given the kind of the the proximity to the end of the window and the difficulty they'd have in getting a replacement. But I think I think Morgan Gibbs White could potentially be a player that's playing for. Uh, playing, playing for one of the biggest clubs in England in a couple of years, but he was absolutely outstanding in the England Twenty Ones. And some of his underlying numbers last season are, are, are really terrific. He's great technique. Did Wolves
0: miss a massive trick there, Emmett?
2: Do you think? It, absolutely, it looks like. It. I think they, 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 they didn't, they didn't, they didn't. It's an incorrect evaluation. And it's not quite in the kind of Chelsea, kind of Mourinho. Um, uh, kind of bombing out, Brian, out, Brian, salad Brian and Salad. I, I think, I think it's he. They've, they've cost the club massively. If you as well, if you put Morgan Gibbs White into that Wolves team, like you'd be way more confident, and that, that 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 they'd be still be staying up this season. And if you had him and Nunez in the same midfield, now you now you really have something. Whereas, like I think, I think Forest. Yeah, for all their mistakes they made last summer, I think they found an absolute gem in Gibbs White. watching him last year in a couple of games they played against United. He gave Casemiro one of the hardest games he had all season. So I. I think they're, they're a live goal threat even I, I'm very familiar with uh, Anthony Alanga as a main idol fan and I don't think he's a superstar but getting him for 15 million looks looks pretty fair to me like he's a good he's a very good impact player he's a great he's a, he's a good man for pressing I just think like he's in for 15 million I think I'd be surprised if he didn't give them a little bit of surplus value on that um, I think, I, think I, 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 I kind of I respected that and as you said the kind of lack of turnover last summer Forest far should benefit from for all the kind of and for all the re, kind of the reasons Mark outlined. I think United are a pretty vulnerable favourite. Kind of the the team structure definitely isn't right as well. Just on, and like Marcus Rashford, I think we've seen consistently over his career, he really struggles to be the kind of central number nine against the low block teams. He when you give him space, like against Barcelona, Liverpool, these kind of games where he can counter attack into the space, he can do damage as a nine, but he doesn't have the kind of back to goal or kind of. I think quite striker's instinct that'll that'll really hurt the teams against the low block. So, I think United, yeah, I, I wouldn't be putting United in your weekend accumulators. But the bet the bet I like for I like for this game is both teams to score. United do have, have a really strong defensive record under Ten Hag uh, at Old Trafford, I think we've seen this season they probably aren't as quite strong as strong defensively as they were last season, and give us far as. A, offensive improvement, some of the attacking weapons at their disposal. I think Forest can be pretty competitive here. And if United win, I think it'll be more of a 2-1 a or a 3-1 type of game. And so, yeah, I think both teams to score and 2.0 on the exchange looks more than fair to me.
0: Just a quick one from you, Mark, on just the relegation battle in general, because we kind of alluded to this in some of the, the pre-season shows that we did. Because you've got two teams in Sheffield United and Luton who are expected to be quite some distance away from where they need to be to stay up. It's quite an unusual scenario now, isn't it? Because you've got this situation where a team like Forrest, who people might think, or oh, could be second se- season syndrome, could be tough to th- for them. They might not have to do that much, actually, to stay up, might they?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nightmare for punters if you're trying to get involved in the relegation market because you're looking at just, just one kind of relegation spot, really. Um, I think it'd be remarkable if if either or Sheffield United and, and Luton stayed up or, or even both of them so yeah it's very difficult and if you look at the Premier League coming into the season um you've got the big seven as we're calling it now then you chuck in the likes of Aston Villa Brighton progressive clubs who've enjoyed really good success under their current management then you've got uh the likes of Brentford who should be pretty solid and stable because you you kind of invest in in their sort of hierarchy to get the business done which is required and continue to sort of follow that path to, to progress then outside of that I think it's a bit of a, a free-for-all um you know you could make a case for almost any of those kind of nine sides outside the the elite really to to drop back into trouble and um you know there's there's Everton there's Wolves. I think you could make a case for either of those Forest as well Fulham we've seen you know now with Mitrovic gone as well and you called it pre-season Kev but the cottagers do look like in like they're in a, a massive degree of strife. So um, I'd find it very difficult to call here. I think from a punting perspective, there might be opportunity to to trade uh, throughout the campaign um, if you can kind of look ahead at, at the schedules and see who's coming up against. Uh, I think Forest have got quite a tough schedule um, from this weekend as well. They've already had to go to to Arsenal, but that could. Um, be a bonus for them kind of you know after september if you t- if you look at their schedule they should improve from there on so um yeah it's it's very difficult um i can make an easy case for for about half a dozen teams down there um west ham or one of those but um early signs to me are actually quite promising really especially after ward Browse's debut and getting alvarez in as well from Ajax, and potentially um who are they signing um, um kudos yeah there we go yes yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah, I mean, that would be a. a I was going to
0: spin that out a little bit longer. Emmett saved you there. <laughs> Emmett was really kind. I was going to spin that out. I don't see Marco Hare stumble like that ever. So that was a once in a lifetime um, opportunity.
1: Cheers, <laughs> Kev. Moving on.
0: <laughs> now, although we've had plenty of medical professionals on strike this year, that is not the case for the dashing Doctor of Data. Jake Oscar thought part of the crew today. Jake. Manchester United against Nottingham Forest. We've talked about United struggling a bit, but what do you make of them so far?
3: Um, Difficult to say, I think, because they were really unconvincing against Wolves. Um, I was very negative about that performance. But against Tottenham, I think there was a bit of a... The the result was a bit overblown and the performance was a bit overblown, Um, whether that be from the pundits after the match or just seen on social media. Um, It wasn't a 2-0 game at all um looking at the xg united were up at half time 1.75 to 0.3 so they should have been out of sight really um at at half time and it should have been a game in which they were the team that were in the ascendancy in control uh and uh, you know could pick apart tottenham on the counter-attack bruno fernandez
0: produced one of the worst headers of all time
3: basically yeah yeah he needs to work on his heading um but yeah effectively that was it it was it was down to finishing I think in that game given which the way in which both teams set up the first goal was always going to be crucial because they both like to play a high press and you know transition very quickly through the lines and if you give the space that's afforded into counter attacks then um either team whoever took the lead was always going to um probably kick on and win I think the concerning part was the fact that United didn't really have any answers when they went behind. Like you know, whether that would be from the substitutes that came on or just from the tactical switches that were made, they didn't really do anything after going behind, um, which would be my only concern. But I do think that was a little bit you know a, of an overblown result. You know, you're talking about after the game, pundits saying that they're you know the new Tottenham. I mean, I thought it was a bit, a bit harsh. I mean, you know, we know Spurs aren't great, and you know over the last few years they have been. Um, a little bit flaky playing against the better teams but generally that was a decent enough performance by United for the most part a um, bit much calmer waters this week shall we say um, especially being back at home you know they've won 16 of 20 home games under 10 Hag, which is phenomenal really um, only one defeat again in that time which was actually first against Brighton uh, and Forest have won just one of 20 away games since promotion to the Premier League just one that's it just one um, which I think is quite remarkable in itself. Lost 14 in that time as well. And uh, yeah, they played four times last season, didn't they? Four, what, four wins to nil for Manchester United. Very comfortable. Um, but I just thought it was interesting to look at United's underlying numbers at home. Because not only were the results good, but the actual performances were really impressive. Um, plus 1.31 expected goal difference per game is what they averaged at Old Trafford last season. They They won 8 of 10 at home to bottom half teams. Six of those eight were to nil and six of those eight covered the minus one and a half handicap, which is actually my bet in this game, is United to win with a minus one and a half handicap, uh, around 1.95 on the exchange. Partly down to the fact, I think, that Man United's struggles have kind of been a bit overblown, uh, particularly in attack. They generated 1.9 extra against Wolves, two and a half in the end against Tottenham. So they are creating chances. Um, It's just about putting the ball in the net. And I think they'll get more chances in this game and more opportunities to do that. And then the other end, you've got Forest who can't create anything at the moment, particularly away from home. 0.8 xG per game is what they've averaged away from home since uh, promotion. And last season, they lost 9 of 10 against the top half and 7 of those 9, they actually covered this handicap. So they were beaten by 2 goals or more and 7 of those 9 went playing better side. So I'm more than happy to... Back United to get back on track with a, a fairly comfortable home win. Um, you know the, the reports are that Rasmus Hoyland will be in the squad for this game. Um, that's what I've seen recently. Whether he'll feature at all, I'm not too sure. But um, you know, be really fascinated to see how he kind of what, what he can bring to this United team because it does look as though they're missing a bit of a focal point.
0: Well, if you do decide to just go for United to win that game then you could take advantage of our new 90-minute payout feature. When you bet on the results of a match, you can still win even if there's injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right results as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. There's a useful FAQ section on our website, betting.betfair.com. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus See gambleaware.com org brentford have taken four points from their first two games the loss of ivan tony doesn't seem to have affected them too negatively and emmett the bees face their london rivals crystal palace this weekend i thought palace huffed and puffed a bit against arsenal truth be told maybe they should have had a penalty maybe not but arsenal probably were the better team over the ninety.
2: Definitely. I think it's kind of, it's, it's, just, it's just, it's to me, it came down to if Michael Elise doesn't play, they just don't have enough punch up top against the better sides. Like you're talking about Jordan Ayu and kind of Shlop and these kind of guys, they're kind of they're decent, honest kind of triers, like, but not really the top end quality. Like, whereas if you've a front three of, uh, if you've kind of Eze, Elise and Edward in attack, then that's kind of more of a, more of a kind of a team that's pushing towards mid table. And that's what I think like their team with Lerman de Couray in the midfield, they don't necessarily have that much kind of forward passing from from that they're relying on the kind of centre halfs given that forward passing. Guehi and Anderson, to be fair, I think are two of the better distributing center, center backs in the league right I, I still think we're kind of with the palace without release are a very different team i think there's 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 good reason why why chelsea were interested and in, for him to rack up kind of 11, 11 league assists at the age he is in a kind of a struggling palace team just shows you the, the level of player we're talking about um for this match specifically i'm going to return to kind of a a, a, po- a podcast section that served us well the first two weeks that's my old friend Brian and to score yay um, yeah so i think <laughs> I think I'll, I'll I'll just give people who haven't listened the first the first couple of podcasts the first couple of weeks of the season the logic here is just that kind of the, the market even still a little bit this week is kind of pricing in Bremo a little bit on kind of what his kind of historical record is and what his role was in the Brighton side where he was kind of playing very much kind of survive and Tony. It's it's obviously not 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 the same level, but there's a little bit of a dynamic of when Karen Benzema was at kind of um was at Real Madrid and Cristiano Ronaldo left and he kind of can play him a completely different player, kind of a ruthless goal scoring machine. And um, Bremo's not quite at that level but he has he started the season really well with th- three Goals in two matches, but listeners might be thinking, "Ah, but he's had two penalties." But he's actually had only against small sample size, but he's had the best non penalty expected goals in the Premier League. So it's it's not just the penalties he's getting; he's getting the chances as well. And I think, I think in, in a game where, where where kind of Brighton, Brighton are obviously strong favourites at home. I was I was expecting the kind of I was expecting him to be kind of shorter than kind of the kind of three point oh we can get. So yeah, if you can get him three point or the above in the exchange, I think that, that looks that's more than fair to me. I think he's he looks like uh, he's definitely one of the most informed players of in the Premier League. And the way he's playing and Brentford are playing, you know he's gonna get at least a few chances.
0: Jake, what's the angle here for you?
3: Yeah, I like the umbuenzima
0: angle there. It's very yeah. good. Um
3: <clears throat> I'm taking Bradford to win. I think that's just a a straightforward play for me 2.1 they are on the exchange um, generally my rule of thumb over the last year or so has been whenever Brentford are at home against a middling team and they're a decent enough price just to back them because they are one of the better home teams in the league Is um, it 10 wins from 19 last season they lost just twice at home post an expected goal difference per home game of plus 0.65 which was the seventh best in the league kind of highlights their elite levels and yeah, uh, Crystal Palace beat Sheffield United, but I have a feeling that everyone will beat Sheffield United at some point this season. Uh, I'm not reading too much into that. And you know, there was a lot of talk and there was a graphic on Monday Night Football actually about Crystal Palace's um, almost re-revolution under Roy. And I just wanted to kind of put a bit of a dampener on that and throw some water on that fire because, you know, they've played 12 games now under Roy Hodgson since he came back to the club. Only three have come against teams in the top half. Just three. Uh, that is Arsenal, who played on Monday. Fulham, who barely scraped for to the top half last season and were massive overperformers, and Tottenham, who again were really poor last season, especially at the back end under Ryan Mason. So, you know, the fact that they've played only 12 games against a small sample size, but nine of them have been against teams that finish in the bottom half, is and and Sheffield United who we expect to finish in the bottom half. That for me is a massive like, you know, red flag as to let's not jump on the, on the bandwagon just yet of Crystal Palace. And they were safe um,
0: for the last few of those games as well. So they didn't really play under much pressure.
3: Exactly, yeah. Um, well, you could argue they were safe for pretty much six of those games because they only needed a couple of wins against rivals and they kind of pulled themselves clear. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the kind of... The narrative of they creating more chances and scoring more goals is all well and good, but they have played a very easy schedule um and you know, you look at the back end of last season, they scored a lot of goals, created a lot of chances against bad teams, but they also had Wilfred Zahar and Michael alise in the starting eleven. Uh, and and Ebrecchie was on fine form. So two of those players aren't gonna be playing in this game. That you know, alise is gonna be out for a little while longer yet. So that you know, it's a, a lot of creativity to strip away from that team and um they've not really replaced them at all. So yeah, I've got my doubts about Crystal Palace. I don't think they're gonna go down, but I don't think they're gonna be as Free scoring as attacking as what they were at the back end of last season, and that was kind of the case on Monday night football. You know, generally, many people were expecting them to cause Arsenal a few problems. But the XG before the Tommy red card was two point two to zero point three. Like it couldn't have been any more one sided if they tried. Um, and then obviously they cut. They you know the red card made Arsenal sit deeper and Crystal Palace come on and create a couple of chances. But that would have been a proper smash and grab. Um, and away from home under Roy Hodgson. Two wins, two losses and a draw. But interestingly, the two wins came against two teams that were relegated, Leeds and Southampton. Um, and the the draw at Fulham, the defeats at Wolves and Spurs. So again, you can see there, they've not played anyone any good. Uh, and I think Brentford are one of the best home teams in the league. So for me, the way in which Brentford have looked so far this season, nearly 2xG at home to Spurs, over 3xG against Fulham. I'm happy to back them at this price to win.
0: Brighton have won their opening two games 4-1. Roberto De Seagull so show no signs of letting the loss of Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo slow them down. Mark, they're up against a West Ham team, full of confidence after that eye-catching win over Chelsea. This could be quite good fun, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, really looking forward to this game. I think it's got the potential to be really good fun. Um, you know, Brighton two from two. I think they've benefited from playing two teams who maybe aren't completely ready for the, the Premier League challenge ahead. Um uh but they've been clinical they've been ruthless as well um after only two games they've had six different players scoring goals three different players have had two or more assists seven different players have taken three or more shots um in terms of personnel the Brighton players rank first fifth and sixth in terms of the highest chance creators in the Premier League Their XG output is 6.24 and 43 shots <laughs> uh, already and that's despite rotation as well so you know last week we saw uh, Ferguson and Jean Pedro on the bench Uh, the new signing as well who scored uh, on week one was on the bench um they weren't really needed until the game was won against wolves and billy gilmore come back into the the starting midfield too Um, but i do think there's still a lot to be done in terms of that midfield and even defensively for brighton you know going forward the numbers are extraordinary no side has a better non-penalty expected goals output per game than brighton in the premier league since Deserbi was appointed, they're even bettering Man City in that statistic, which is astonishing. Um, the flip side is that kind of gung ho nature does leave them vulnerable to conceding goals. Um, 34 league games now under Deserbi, nine clean sheets, uh, 22 of 34 have seen BTTS, those matches averaging 3.5 goals per game. Um, but yeah, just in looking at the two games they've played so far, Luton only scored 59 goals in 46 championship games. They had 22 touches of the ball in Brighton's penalty area on week one. Now, last season, Brighton's opponents had fewer than that figure in 27 of 38 league games. And when they hosted bottom three teams, Brighton only allowed 28 penalty box touches combined. Now, they allowed 22 against Luton. So I think you take McAllister and Caicedo out, you know, obviously there's going to be some growing pains there. Wolves, you know... If you look at the actual metrics, went toe to toe with Brighton. I know if the the sort of uh, the the eye test would have said something a little bit different, but Wolves finished with 16 shots at the Amex and XG over two, 12 shots in the box, four big chances created as well. So I think there is an opportunity here for West Ham to to get on the score sheet and make a game of it. Um, We saw last week. Ward Prowse's delivery not just from set pieces but open play as well could be a, a real weapon uh West Ham have been one of the best from dead ball situations anyhow under David Moyes I think they scored 10 goals alone from corners last year so that's going to be a real asset of theirs um but ultimately for me West Ham and their away record is is hard to sort of uh ignore really um last year we saw them absolutely demolished 4-0 here by Brighton they also lost 2-0 at home to the Seagulls they've lost 13 of 19 away They lost seven of nine uh, at the top nine, and they only scored four goals at top half teams as well. So that's my only concern. But ultimately, I think the weapons that they now have, I think they can cause a Brighton team in midfield at least issues. So um, the price in Brighton to win is extraordinarily short for for Brighton, as it tends to be now because of that data. They're around 1.5 to win this game. We can boost the price from 1.5 to 2.8. Uh, By backing Brighton to win and both teams to score, which I think is a huge, huge leap, considering those uh, those metrics—not just defensively, but even just both teams to score record—under um expecting it to be to be great fun. Ultimately, would I back Brighton to win this game? Yes. Can I keep it? See them keeping a clean sheet? Possibly no, because I think West Ham uh, will have enough about them to to cause some problems.
0: And now it's time for the doctor's prescription where Jake picks out a goal scorer bet using the data at his disposal. Jake, your tips from the Brighton game this week?
3: Yeah, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of goals, um, which the market obviously suggests as well. Chancing a goal scorer is obviously the smart thing to do when the price is so short. So have a little look down the list and Solly March to score any time at nine to four looked big price. Now, obviously, you know, you can't go with the player that scored a lot recently, but the stats kind of back up the fact that he should be a little bit shorter in, in the market. I mean, he's longer than Evan Ferguson, who's not likely to, to, to start. You know, his last couple of games come off the bench. Jao Pedro, the same. Uh, Julio Inciso, I know he started at Wolves, but again, not guaranteed to start. Danny Welbeck, um, again, like, we don't know. He's, he's a bit of a roulette in terms of who plays for for... Zerbe, Adingra is also shorter, the, the young winger, and Mitoma is also shorter than Solly March. And that's despite March actually hitting three three goals already this season. He's the yeah. joint top scorer in the entire league through two matches. Um, and, you know, you look at his shot map and he's getting on the, the end of good chances regularly. And I think the reason for that is you watch Brighton, you look at way, the way in which they attack, and actually 45% of their attacks are built up down the left-hand side, which means, obviously, March has got license then to get into you know, a more central position. Maybe you've got an overlap and fullback to kind of cover that width if the ball is switched. And it just means he's found himself in the box more regularly. And he's had eight shots this season so far. Five of the shots have come with inside 12 yards and three of those have been big chances. So, you know, a big chance, we generally go around a, an XG of 0.35 or greater. So he's had three big chances in two matches so far this season. Last season, he had nine big chances across the entirety of the campaign. So you can see already that he's starting to find himself into, you know, better scoring positions more regularly. Um, and I just thought the price looked wrong um compared to some of his his teammates. Either we're not sure if they're going to start or their underlying data is not as strong as what his is through the opening couple of matches. And like I said, most of the attacks coming down the left-hand side. So Matoma has only had two shots this season. He has scored. He scored that ridiculous goal against Wolves where yeah, you know, es- Esther Pinyan got an assist for. Passing it sideways to his mate and Mitoma doing the rest. Um, but yeah, he's only had two shots so far this season um, because he's been providing assists and and you know crosses and trying to set up teammates as opposed to scoring the goals. Whereas March is the opposite at the minute. Not a lot of the build-up plays going down the right-hand side; it's all going down the left, which means he has license to get into scoring position. So nine to four looked big in a game that I think is going to see a lot of goals.
0: Worth bearing in mind that Betfair is offering a completely free football lacquer or bet builder this weekend, but you have to opt in to claim it. Maximum free bet, £5 per customer, minimum combined odds, and T's and C's apply. Emmett, you want to whisk us away to France?
2: Yeah, this is this is kind of the... I was worried the, that you
0: didn't want to whisk us away to France there. I had my ticket. I was at the airport with the ticket ready to go.
2: Yeah, no, no. I think you'd need... Um, you need quite a big budget to to do kind of it away there in Monaco. Having been uh, have, having been to Monte Carlo before, it's uh, you, you you kind of go there with a big fortune and, and and come back with a small fortune. One of those kind of places, and um, yeah. So, but I think specifically here, in Monaco are kind of a way to Nantes. And I think I think just so far this season the signs are that Monaco are actually one of the best teams in league. 1 under Addy Hutter, they've been really impressive so far. Kind of scoring seven goals in their first two matches. With kind of strong XG totals to back that up, they looked to make m- 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 made some kind of decent signings, and they kind of and I would say got fairly decent prices for the players they've sold from Chelsea, like Axel Axel de Sassi this season for for for, for forty five million, being kind of a, being kind of a prime example it's as like they're kind of they look like a team that at least be kind of a a really solid kind of top four contender and they're playing non to look like absolute dead certs for relegation trouble it's kind of they've been they, they've really they, they've not been well beaten in, in their opening two matches you they were way to Lille, and they only kind of came into the game once Lille had a red card with kind of 15 minutes to go they were battered at home by toulouse who themselves who themselves aren't are, are kind of a more more of a mid-table level side and i just feel the market probably hasn't qu- Quite caught up to how good Monaco are and how bad probably Nantes are, and I think at the moment we can get Monaco to win at just over one point eight. I think in a few weeks' time we'd we'll probably get a shorter price once 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 the market kind of picks up on Monaco being much improved and kind of not being probably one of the worst teams in the league.
0: In the German Bundesliga, I'll recommend a tip from the Friday night game that I'll be commentating on between RB Leipzig and Stuttgart. Even though Stuttgart won five nil last weekend against Borkum. Borkham are awful, so don't get distracted by that. Borkham are particularly terrible away from home. Leipzig lost at Leverkusen, but in the game before that, they played ever so well at Bayern winning the Super Cup by three goals to nil. Danny Olmo got a hat-trick. He's got four goals in two games so far. Leipzig have played Stuttgart 10 times in the Bundesliga. They've never lost. They've never even trailed and they've won their last four home matches overall in Germany's top flight. So I'm going to go for Leipzig to win and over two and a half goals on the bet builder on the Sportsbook at evens to the south coast of england clash between two progressive coaches Andoni iraolas bournemouth up against ange postacoglu and tottenham mark which way is this going
1: uh don't know don't care uh just back goals is my uh recommendation <laughs> in this match um i think over two and a half goals and btts combined is is going to give you a a great opportunity to to get a payout. We can increase the odds to almost evens, 195 by including a goal to be scored in both halves. If you're expecting three or more goals, the likelihood is we will get a goal in both halves. Uh, Bournemouth, obviously just two game sample, but uh, I didn't think we saw the best of Arreola's kind of stylistic uh, principles. Against West Ham, we definitely did see that in the first half at Anfield last weekend, where they they pressed high and hard and with real intensity and put Liverpool under huge pressure. Had a one goal lead, could have been doubled. Um, you know they they were very much very impressive actually. They they played much more direct and moved the ball quicker uh, through the lines. And you know chalk and cheese really compared to the West Ham effort. So encouraging signs there. I think the the signing of Tyler Adams is a a really smart pickup as well. So that may stay may stem some of the bleeding defensively because they are leaving themselves up a little bit open again. Uh, they faced the most shots in the league last year by quite a distance and they're already topping that metric this time around with 42 shots faced after just two games. Um, so I'm not hopeful that they will keep a clean sheet. Um, Tottenham, you know, massive field, good factor around the place already. Uh, I think that's just Aaron Postacoglu all over, really. Uh, we talked him up pre-season. Um, he's getting the respect and, and praise he deserves for the work he's already done there, which has involved you know bringing out some players who were possibly discarded by previous regimes and you know Eve Basuma has been wonderful two man of the match awards already uh only Rodri and Lewis Dunk have attempted more passes he made seven tackles against Man United and also his, his all round ability is, is shown by no players attempted more ball carries Bersuma in the Premier League this season. So that's quite a statement really. But uh, Saar made a massive impact as well. The fullbacks have looked good. Even Christian Romero, who we, we sort of take the piss out of a bit, yeah. um, showed a bit exactly. of uh, maturity. <laughs> <laughs> He's been given a, a leadership role behind Son. And so far, uh, he seems to have calmed down a little bit and is, is leading with authority really. So we'll see how long that lasts. But I think that's all down to Poster Coglu and his, his management really. But uh, I guess the negatives, like Bournemouth are uh, an inability to keep that back door shut um Richarlison has been ineffective again in in the last match too but uh, yeah I like both teams and the direction of travel they're taking I like what both teams are trying to do in possession uh, and out of possession there are going to be growing pains along the way so the obvious solution is to back goals Small sample, well, uh, again, but uh, Bournemouth openers have averaged 3.4 expected goals and 20 shots in the box. Spurs have averaged 3.65 XG and 25 shots in the box. BTTS has landed in three of those four games. It really should have landed in Spurs' match against Man United as well. I expect both to score, uh, and then we're just looking for a third to get us over the line.
0: Now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so popular that Jake and the XG robots were offered thousands of pounds worth of promotional deals off the back of it, only for the robots, not Jake, to turn them down because they didn't want to be seen as too commercial. Now how this works is the three guys come up with the selection ahead of the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett here wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. And Emmett, I will start with you.
2: Yeah, this one's from the, from the Sunday podcast where obviously all, all the cool kids go. So 100%. Needs niece to win. Needs to win. They look a very solid proposition at home to a really struggling Leon team.
0: That's right. Don't be a dweeb. Don't just listen to the Saturday one. You need to listen to the Sunday one as well. Marco Hare.
1: Um, I'll filter down what I've just spoken about with Bournemouth against Spurs and take both teams to score um, in that match.
0: Lovely stuff. And Jake, take us home.
3: I uh, will take brentford to win and discussed earlier in the podcast i just think the price is really big and it's a bit of a gulf between the two teams at the minute
0: now for the feature that is changing the world step by step it's now affecting people's holiday choices and it's doing more for the scottish tourist board than Taggart, balamori and monarch of the glen put together it is marco hares scott watch Oh, aye. Escort Watch. Mark, take it away.
1: Cheers, Kev. Yeah, great to hear a listener went to see uh, the Kelpies uh, when, he, when he was up and around Falkirk uh, recently, sent us a, a nice picture of the Kelpies. Um, so, They're extraordinary, by the way. I, I looked at that picture. I was, I was gobsmacked.
0: Just explain to our listeners again what they are.
1: Just two enormous sculptures of, of a horse's head, basically. Uh, is, that, is that fair?
0: Yes, they were utterly remarkable yes wonderful
1: carry um, on um <laughs> yes uh um scott watch nice winner last week with queen's park getting the job done away at our growth uh we're going to go to scotland's league one this week uh hamilton are hosting montrose uh hamilton were relegated to this level last year but they've made a really strong start three wins from three including three clean sheets um if you look at the numbers too averaging 16 shots conceding just six uh the shots on target data is even more impressive they're averaging almost nine per game and allowing less than one um small samples obviously but um, uh, you know when you're dominating matches in the manner they are as well as the corner count as well I should add um they're probably too good for this level so I fancy them to get the job done against Montrose who have lost two of their opening three they lost nine of 18 away days last year and what's quite interesting here is uh two of those three games they've lost this season have come against opponents have been beaten by hamilton and beaten quite comfortably too so montrose lost 2-0 at home to kelty and 3-0 at home to cove Hamilton beat Kelty 2-0 away and beat Cove 1-0 at home. Uh, Montrose are already second bottom for shot ratio, uh, allowing over 15 attempts per game as well. So happy to oppose them. The price is already short enough, so just include over one and a half goals. You're backing Hamilton to win by any scoreline that's not 1-0 and you get paid out at 1.9, which I think is is nice enough. Uh, Culture corner, Hamilton academical come under the focus uh that name derives from their formation and their foundations back in 1874. they were a school team uh the origin of the name basically hamilton academy and to this day they remain the only professional club in british football to have originated from a school team so i think that's quite a cool little factoid oh, for you wow
0: the only one in the whole of britain
1: yeah professional team to, to emerge from a, a school wow. team so yeah um i couldn't find anything to get too excited about with with hamilton the town it's not too far from Glasgow. Oh, no! but, um... <laughs> the tourist board are we absolutely furious <laughs> yeah but uh, if you're in the area check out the football club they've never won a major trophy um they have finished runners up in the scottish cup twice uh but the the story that kind of grabbed my attention was um, hamilton the football club you might remember this uh they fell victim to basically an elaborate fishing fraud uh back in 2017 uh fishing (laughs) with a ph Um, they they lost around 1 million uh of their savings to this fraud uh had quite a disastrous effect actually on on the club they were playing in the premiership at the time operating on the lowest budget and had the lowest average attendance in the league so quite kind of sad when you read up about it and the, the directors had to try and plug the gap themselves but weren't really able to cover all the losses Uh, they only managed to get about 150,000 pounds back Uh, they even threatened to sue the bank the rbs on the back of it basically they they'd received a call from a a guy reporting to be from the bank who told them to move funds urgently because of a security risk and the fraudster was then able to kind of direct those payments into his own account and um the club were completely convinced and hoodwinked by the scammer um paid out almost a million pounds in well over 20 transactions over a 24-hour period before they kind of realize that this might be something sus- suspicious. Um so yeah they weren't able to recover kind of anywhere near if the, the full amount and people are sort of suggesting that that was the start of their demise really. They were a premiership club back then and they've since suffered uh back to back uh relegations uh not back to back I should say they've they at least uh, have suffered two relegations in that time but uh it looks like did things are McCarthy starting to turn
0: MacArthur at one stage.
1: They did yes 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 it would uh, have been a, a bit of cash off that I think yeah maybe. yeah uh, quite a few actual former football footballers came through the the Hamilton ranks as well but uh, yeah backing them this weekend so there's Hamilton academical culture corner tinged with sadness
0: this time but uh, we wish them all the best. Uh, That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of excellent preview content on our website betting.betfair.com. Lots of other shows on the Betfair podcast network, including Racing Only Better. By the way, our shows here on Football Only Better have been put onto the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content. Make sure you like and subscribe that new channel. The link is in the description. Make sure you check out the Sunday show as well. We'll have plenty of tips for you on that from Emmett, from Mark, from Jake and from me. It's goodbye for now.